Isn't the music here amazing? Wow. Doesn't it make you wish you had a better preacher? Like, <laughs> like, all right. So, I'm glad you're here. I'm always glad you're here. I'm especially glad you're here this morning because we're starting a new series. Actually, we're starting a new series of series. It, uh, so, the series of series has this common theme. It kind of under the umbrella of this theme we're calling The Way. And uh, so it's a series of series that will be taking us uh, through the fall, and uh, I am really jazzed about it. So as we get started, um, I want to give you a little <clears throat> context, a little background about, um, about how we got here. So we have a preaching team, and we gather um, several times during the year to plan out series um, into the into the future. And so as we get together, it's, it's a very creative process. It's a, it's a very spiritual process. We spend a fair amount of time in prayer, uh, recognizing that the things that we talk about in those meetings are going to be the raw material that end up uh, becoming the series uh, into the future. We also recognize we don't know the future. And so, you know, we always want the messages to be connected, relevant to what's going on in the world. Um, and so we recognize that the Holy Spirit is out in front on this, and we need to be listening to the Spirit. So we were planning this, you know, this series uh, for the fall, and in the creative um, kind of, you know, white paper part of that process, I was just talking about our culture and what's going on in our culture these days, and talking about how deeply divided our country is, and how people are increasingly frustrated, and that frustration spilling over to anger, and sometimes anger just boils into acts of hostility and violence. And so there are these movements that have bubbled up out of people's sense of frustration and anger, things like Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement, people's concerns about um, uh, immigration, and on and on, the, the uh, issues that divide Americans go. And these movements are trying to give voice to frustrations that people have. So I... I am concerned for our country, as I know many of you are. Now, understand that I grew up in the 60s. I was a child in the 60s. I wasn't, you know, like, older in the 60s. I was a kid. But I was old enough to know that things were tense back then. There, there was a war that was dividing this country. There were racial uh, divides that had boiled over, in many cases, uh, into uh, violence. Uh, between the races. This wasn't just something that I was seeing uh, played out in, on my TV set in, in my home. It was actually right in my community. I grew up in the town right next to Asbury Park, and in the 60s, Asbury Park experienced riots. I remember on a weekend seeing the uh, plumes of smoke going up into the sky as, burning, as buildings were being burned. It devastated that, that little city of Asbury Park, and it's taken decades for it to recover. 
I have a vivid memory of being in middle or junior high school in seventh grade and uh, looking out the window of my seventh grade classroom onto a soccer field. And on one end of the soccer field were about 100 white students. And at the other end of that soccer field were about an equal number of black students. And in the middle of the field were dozens of police dressed in riot gear. So I've seen what it looks like when our people are so angry and so frustrated that the only way they can think to express it is through violence. It's a difficult time. It's a divided time. And I ask, you know, what, what do I need to know? What do I need to learn? What do I need to hear? to be a different kind of voice. In response to what's going on, what I hear offered most often in terms of what needs to happen is that people just need more information. We need more information. We need better information. We need to be teaching people and so forth. And I, I believe that that's a part of it. I believe in the importance of education. I believe that we need good information. But I don't know that that's really the answer. We have a lot of information, don't we? I mean, literally today, because of the digital age, we literally have the information of the world at our fingertips. We have information from around the world throughout history right in our hand. We don't lack for information. And we have these tools, you know, these search engines. Anybody ever heard of this thing called uh, Google? You've heard of it? So, you know, just in thinking about this, I, I Googled a couple of things. I Googled, um, where do you find happiness? And I got 611 million responses. 600 million responses to where to find happiness. And it took a half a second to get that information. Boom, instantly hundreds of millions of pieces of information about where to find happiness. I googled something along the line of, what is the purpose of life? Five billion responses. That took a little longer. It was six-tenths of a second. Billions and billions of pieces of information. We have information. So it's not the answer. It may be a piece of an answer, but it's, it's not the answer. I think more than information, more than information, I think what we need is reformation. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. <laughs> right? We need reformation. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, right, we need we, our government needs to be reformed. Our attitudes need to be reformed. Our, our society needs to be reformed. But here's the thing. At the heart of the Christian faith, 
It's about reformation. Not of systems, but of souls. Jesus came to bring reformation to your soul. That's why he came. Here at Hope, we say that to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, is to be in a process of conforming to the image of Jesus, and it's for the sake of others. It's a process, but it's taking me somewhere. It's taking me to be like Jesus. Now, there's a lot of people here who would say, I believe in Jesus. Probably the majority of you would say, I believe in Jesus. There are people here today who I'm sure you're not there yet. You wouldn't say that. You believe in God maybe, but you're not sure about the whole Jesus thing. I am thrilled that you're here. I hope that you keep asking those questions, that you keep seeking that um, information and transformation that Jesus brings. But we, we, many of us, most of us would say, I believe in Jesus, and that's great. But how many of us are interested in following the way of Jesus? So that's part of what we want to explore over these series, is what does it mean to follow in the way of Jesus? You know, the early church, the church of uh, the first years after Jesus' resurrection, um, in Acts chapter 9, it tells us that before we were called Christians, those who were following Jesus were called the way. They were the way. They were people who were walking in the way of Jesus, following the way of Jesus. So what does that look like? And how does that end up bringing reformation, a reforming of our soul? And what is the impact on that, on the ways that we live our lives in our homes, in our communities, and in the, larger, in the larger context that we all find ourselves. So Jesus, in um, talking with his disciples, at the end of his ministry, so he's been leading them, he, they have been walking alongside him for three years. He has now come to the end of his time on earth. He is about to be betrayed and, and hung on a cross. And he is having his last meal, the last supper with his disciples in this upper room. And so he's with the 12. And he says to them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you know the way to where I'm going. You know the way to where I'm going. And the response, the response actually it comes from Thomas, ever the doubter. And Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, we have no idea where you're going, and we have no idea how to get there. We don't know the way. I'm glad he said that. You know, I would have been the guy who thought it, but never would have said it. I don't know which person you are. You know, some people have a thought, and they say it instantly. Others of us, we keep it to ourselves, but we still have the thought. I'm glad he gave voice to that question. 
Here's the answer that Jesus gave him. The words are going to be on the screen. They're from John 14. And rather than just me read it to you, I want us to read these words together. Would you read along with me uh, this response? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is saying, I'm the way. You don't have to look for the way. I'm the way. I'm the way of the Father. When you've seen me, you see the Father. If you want to know what it looks like to live a life pleasing to God, look to me. I'm that way. And I bring to you life, not just eternal life. This isn't just about getting your ticket stamped so you get to heaven. This is about having the fullness of life on this planet now. It's about having an abundant life, Jesus said. He came to show us the way of God and to offer us the best possible life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. So when we see Jesus, when we're following Jesus, we're following the way of God. And so as we are beginning this series... <clears throat> There's some important things about the beginning of this process that I want to share with you as we start this process. And um, it's, it's described really well, I think, in Matthew's gospel. It's one of my favorite stories from the gospel of Matthew. Matthew's actually writing about himself in the story. It's kind of autobiographical. And uh, it's about his first encounter with Jesus. And so it's from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 9, and beginning with verse 9. Um, so I'm going to read several sections of this story to you, but I'm going to read one and then share a little bit about it, and then, and then the next one. All right, so the words are on the screen. <clears throat> Matthew 9, 9 says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me. And be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew uh, got up and followed him. All right? So here's Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, you may have heard this many times. This may be new information. I don't know. But tax collectors in the first century Jerusalem, first century Israel, occupied by the Roman government, tax collectors were considered to be the worst possible people ever. Tax collectors. The reason was they were considered to be traitors because they're collecting taxes for the enemy, Roman government. They're, they were Jews who were working for the Roman government, so they were traitors, and they were often dishonest. They took more than they were supposed to in order to get more money for themselves. And they had all of the backing, all of the power, if you will, of the Roman government and the Roman military, so there was nothing that you could do. They were hated. They were the worst. Now, I want you to think for a moment, who in your mind are the worst people? Don't answer it out loud. But in your mind, 
who are the worst people? Matthew represents them, those people, the worst. And Jesus comes up to Matthew, the worst possible kind of person, and says, follow me. One of the things we need to know about people on the way is that there are no outsiders. No one is living a life so corrupt, so degenerate, that God does not want them to be along the way with him. Those people that you think about who are the worst are loved by God. Jesus came for them just as he came for you and for me. So the next thing that makes me wonder as I've read that story is why did Matthew decide to follow Jesus? I mean, so the people around him thought he was the worst, but who cares? You know, he had a good life. He was making a lot of money. He had all of the luxuries that came with, you know, making money at that time. Um, he had plenty of friends. We'll look at that uh, in a little bit. So he had friends. He was living a good life. So why, why did he follow Jesus? And the only thing I can come up with is that he recognized that there was something missing in his life. You know, the first time I remember reading this story, I was, you know, young, and I'm reading that, and it says, you know, Jesus said, come follow me, and Matthew got up and followed him, and I'm picturing this, you know, like weird scene of Jesus walking up and going, come and follow me, and Matthew going, yes, master, you know, like this weird thing came over him. That wasn't it at all. Why did he do it? He recognized that there were things missing in his life. Something was missing. Yeah, he had affluence. Yeah, he had friends. Yeah, he had a lot going on for him. But there was something missing. And maybe this guy has something to show me. That's the only thing that I can think of that would have caused Matthew to get up and follow Jesus, leaving behind his business, and the things that he knew. So here, And here's one other thing, just from that little section of, of Matthew 9. <clears throat> Ultimately, it was a decision. Ultimately, it was a decision. Matthew had a choice. He could have said, no thanks, I'm good. To be a person of the way is a choice that you get to make or to not make. It's not something forced. It's not something um, that you, you know, somebody makes you do. It's not something that, you know, you do just because other people in your life do it. This is a choice that each of us make at the invitation of Jesus. So three important things, right, about the way. One is that nobody is outside of the circle. Two, that 
that it's an invitation, and three, that, that it's a choice that we get to make. Here's, here's what happens next. Verses uh, 10, through, uh, 10 through 11. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when, G but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why does your teacher eat with such scum? It sounds like a tweet, doesn't it? And this is something we would see on our social media. Like, oh yeah, this guy hangs out with scum, right? Hashtag, I'm a coward because I don't want you to know who I am. But that's the kind of stuff in social media, you know. So, so here is, is Matthew. So it starts out by saying later. Later, Matthew invited his friends. We don't know how much later. Was it days later? Was it weeks later? Was it months later? We don't know. But what we do know is that his experience of following Jesus up to that point was profound. So much so that he wanted his buddies to meet Jesus. And his buddies, because Matthew was scum, his buddies were scum, right? Tax collectors and other disreputable people. All of those people. Notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus apparently didn't say to Matthew, you need to stop hanging out with your friends. You need to stop being around disreputable people. In fact, what happened was when Matthew said, hey, I'm thinking of having a dinner party, Jesus. Would you come? Jesus said, absolutely. Love to meet your friends. That's the nature of the life of Jesus, right? That's who Jesus is. There is no scum to him. He didn't view those people in that way at all. And in fact, wanted to be their guest. Wanted to meet them. Wanted to encounter them. So you know, when I hear people under the auspice of the Christian faith talking about other people or other groups of people and saying in effect maybe not these exact words, but saying in effect, those people are scum that God detests. That tells me a whole lot more about who they are than it tells me about who Jesus is. Amen? So Jesus shows up, and he's at this party meeting Matthew's friends. And the good people, the religious leaders of the day, seeing what's going on, go, how could this be? Doesn't he know who these people are? Isn't he concerned about his reputation to be seen around people like that? 
punchline. Here it comes. Ready? So, 12 through 13. When Jesus heard this, he said, oh, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Now, if he had ended right there, they would have gone, oh, oh, all right. All right, well, you recognize they're sick. And you're just trying to help the lowly ones. Don't touch them, but all right. I don't know why they got British. You know, these are... <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right, they're sick. You're trying to help them. Okay. Then he added, Now, Pharisees, religious leaders, go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So he sends them off with an assignment. I want you guys to do a little Bible study. I want you to check out Hosea chapter 6 that says... God is more interested in you showing mercy than in offering sacrifices. And the word that Jesus used here, the, the Greek word for mercy is a good one. It's the word elias. And it literally means to show kindness, goodwill, with a desire to help those who are struggling. That's mercy. Goodwill. Kindness. A desire to help those who are struggling. Jesus says, look, the way of God is not the way of judgment. It's the way of showing mercy, goodwill, kindness, and a desire to help those who are struggling. That's the way of Jesus. And he says, look, if you think that you've got it all together, if you think that you are righteous because of the things that you think that you know and the things that you think that you do that are aligned with the kingdom of God, then you're on your own. Have at it. But if you recognize that you have missed the mark, that you are a sinner, that, that you haven't got it all together, that you haven't got it all figured out, then come and follow me, and I will show you the way. So one of the things that I think we're called to be is a different kind of people. That our voice in the culture should be a different voice that our approach to conflict should be a different approach, that we are following in the way of Jesus, and that we, because of that, recognize our own fallenness, our own brokenness, our own need for mercy, and that in turn, we are doing the same for others. And as Jesus is doing that reforming work in us, in me, it's going to make me more effective 
in the ways that I relate to others, both within the community of faith and out in the broader community. And then maybe we'll have earned enough respect of other people that they'll listen to what we have to bring to the discussion. I am excited about this series and this series of series as we seek to be in the way of Jesus. And I hope that you'll take the journey along with us. So let's stand for closing prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for showing us the way of God. Thank you for the truth about who we are, about who God is, and about how we are to be in relationship with God and with others. And thank you for the promise of an abundant life, the best possible life, as we follow you in the way. I pray, God, that you'll use this time that we spend on these Sunday mornings to inspire and encourage and bless and guide us all in the way. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.